0: This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You're listening to the MomWell Podcast. Today, I am so excited to welcome licensed marriage and family therapist, Vienna Farron to the show. You may know Vienna as the mindful MFT on Instagram, where she has amassed a massive community and following discussing all things relationships. And I've invited Vienna on the show today to discuss her new book, Origins of You, specifically how our past and our upbringing influences how we parent. Now, if you've been around in this community for a while, you know, I talk a lot about how our past influences our current moments. So when we enter into parenthood, it feels like we're straddling both how we were raised and reflecting on our own childhood while also trying to maybe correct some of the things our parents did or break generational cycles or do things differently. And so it takes us right back to this past life that we had within our own home and our own parents. Now, what complicates us even further is our parents are still around and they interact with our children and often parent them right in front of us. And this can bring up such a complicated mixture of emotions. Sometimes I've called this the mother wound on the podcast, where all of a sudden wounds from our own experience come flooding up, but it's more than just mothers. It's also fathers. It's our upbringing and our family dynamics. Through the marriage and family work that Vienna does, she brings such a unique and interesting lens to this conversation to help us understand why this happens, why wounds that we felt like maybe had been healed or maybe weren't even there to begin with really start to surface during this vulnerable time. And she also helps us to understand where to start in letting some of this go. Maybe there's resentment or anger or hurt, and she points us to where to start in doing this work. If this experience resonates with you, you are going to love this conversation with Vienna. Let's get to today's episode. Are you facing challenges on your motherhood journey? Do you have questions about a specific topic? Our new streamlined Learning Center makes it easier than ever for you to find the answers you're looking for. Browse our new platform to discover practical tips and how to overcome challenges. At MomWell, we believe that psychoeducation and mental health literacy is a form of care. That's why we work hard to bring you the best experts, leading authorities, and professionals who know what it's like to struggle during motherhood. It's also why we want you to be able to access the information you need right at your fingertips our Learning Center is organized with busy moms in mind. With just a few clicks, you can sort through articles by category or topic, quickly finding the resources to answer your questions. Search through categories including maternal mental health, parenting, the first year, relationships, the invisible load, women's physical health, or partner support, or browse our list of more specific topics and keywords. Learn on your own terms and walk away feeling supported, empowered, and more confident to tackle those tough motherhood moments. Head to momwell.com slash learning center to learn more. That's momwell.com slash learning center. Welcome to the MomWell podcast, where we're committed to helping you cope with the load of motherhood. I'm your host, registered psychotherapist and founder of MomWell, Erica Jossa. At MomWell, we know that motherhood is hard, but care shouldn't be. We're committed to providing you with knowledge, tools, and support to navigate the challenges of motherhood. Our mission is to put moms back on the priority list and empower them to create a mental wellness toolbox free from judgment, fear, and shame. On the show, we'll be discussing topics such as postpartum depression, identity loss, the mental load of motherhood, and more. We'll be joined by experts, moms, and professionals who can offer advice, practical tips, relatable stories, and honest conversations. Here at MomWall, we believe that when a mom is well, a baby is well. So join us as we discuss the topics that matter to you with experts who get it. Together, we can redefine motherhood and change the way moms are treated. Vianna, thank you so much for taking the time to join the show today. I got your press kit through from your publishers, saw the release of your book, and I was like, yes, I need to have her on. I've seen you around in this Instagram sort of therapist world that we live in, and I'm just so excited to have you here. Congratulations on pub date. What a time. Thank
1: you. Yeah, right. What a time. It's very exciting, and I'm super pumped to be here with you and chat about it.
0: Yeah, your book is called The Origins of You, and I'm so curious how it came about. And I, I read some of your intro story and things, but for those who don't have that context, I feel like there's always a story in the
1: birth of a book or a project like this, right? Well, and for the fellow therapist, right? There's always a story of how we get into this work, right? It's like you know we're taking a path towards resolving something within ourselves, and sometimes we know that, and sometimes we don't, but yeah, my parents went through a nine-year divorce process that started when I was in first grade. I'm an only child. Mm. And I was witness to a tremendous amount of conflict and chaos. There's a lot of psychological manipulation, abuse, paranoia, emotional flooding. Everything just filled that system up. And I saw my two parents kind of crashing and burning around me. And so Mm -hmm. as a little human watching this, I had decided to take on the role of just kind of flying under the radar, keeping the peace as much as I could, becoming this needless child because I was worried that having any needs or, you know, Struggling through something would be too much for the system to bear. Mm. I'm clear that that might not have been their perspective, but as a tiny human at that time, I right, think like that that was the way that I internalized what was going on. And so I flew under the radar for a long time, never addressed mm. pain, didn't even want to look at it, pretended like I was fine and unaffected by it all for a really long time. And even in the early years of grad school, I was like, my parents were divorced, didn't affect me at all, bless my <laughs> supervisors mm-hmm. and professors.
0: Like, this is really what brought us yes. to want to be therapists, let's be honest, right? Like <laughs> yeah, They're like, oh, this,
1: this sweet, sweet woman, you know, bless her for thinking this way. But yeah, it, it all kind of clicked in, I think. Obviously, you know, when you watch something like that and experience it firsthand, there's a lot of emphasis around trying to not create that for yourself, right? I never wanted to go through a divorce. I didn't want to be in that type of relationship and marriage. And, you know, we know that our family systems are our first education for Mm -hmm. just about everything. Of course, we have other influences that come into play, but that's the first place that we learn what conflict is and how to communicate and what boundaries are and how we think about ourselves or how we think about others and how we navigate relationships and love and intimacy, right? And so Mm -hmm. I started to become really fascinated with what makes some relationships work. Why are others so dysfunctional and why do they break down And yeah, I started in on, you know, this curious path and in my work, both personally and professionally, what I started to see was that pretty much every unwanted pattern in our adult lives, when you couldn't shake it, when you couldn't just create that shift immediately was tied to origin pain Mm. that was looking for our attention and our witnessing and our emotional processing.
0: You put it out there in the beginning of the book, like, why does this come back to my childhood? (laughs) That sort of tell old, you know, of course, the shrink has to go there kind of mentality. And I think it's so interesting because I had a very similar experience to you. High conflict custody and access battle growing up, very intense, made a lot of, I would call them sort of vows to myself Mm -hmm. of things that I would not repeat and had a lot of healing to do navigating relationships and attachment and safety and security and all of those things, which is so interesting that, I, like, I did that, you know, not so linearly <laughs> in a lot of chaotic ways, sort of, go, like, got there as if there is some destination then I entered parenthood. (laughs) And when I thought I had had things somewhat neatly tucked away with a bow, now I have this new vantage point on these wounds that I have where I'm a parent so desperately wanting to guard and protect and care for and whatever, thinking, how in the F did Mm -hmm. this happen growing up? Or how could, as a parent, you do this or think this or... However, so can we maybe for those listening who don't understand, can we tie in like just how our current does straddle our past? Because I think that's very surprising for some to experience.
1: Yeah, right. I start with this example in the book of a client of mine who's coming in. She wants to have some help figuring out whether she should stay in her current relationship or not. They're sort of on the brink of engagement. And she presents with waiting for this other shoe to drop. She keeps talking about Mm. that. And I ask her, well, did the other shoe drop in past relationships? Did the other shoe drop in your family of origin? And right to your point, she's like, why do we have to go back there? My family was great. I don't know why therapists always do this
0: mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. and you know, and we get a good chuckle out of it at that time. We're like, okay, well, let's just keep on exploring and see what's what's there. And in one of the sessions, she finally reveals that when she was a teenager, she was using her father's computer. She stumbled upon an open email between her father and a woman who was not her mother that revealed an affair that was going on. And he comes Mm. into the room. He sees her looking at it, tears in her eyes. He says, please don't tell your mother or your sister. I promise I'll cut it off. And she holds the secret and absorbs it for decades. It wasn't until that session that she had ever spoken that out loud to anyone. And somebody can ask like, well, how could she not realize that her trust issues were tied to that? But sometimes when you hold a secret like that, right, you just you have to go on pretending like nothing happened. Mm. She had held her family in such high regard. Her father was always home after work. They always had dinners together. He seemed to love and respect everyone in the family and loved his family. And so this image that she held had been shattered in a moment and she needed to absorb this secret and go on and pretend like everything was fine from that moment on. And so Mm -hmm. it wasn't until we had identified this origin trust wound that helped us start to make sense why she kept feeling like she was waiting for that second, you know, that other shoe to drop and why she would prematurely either leave relationships with past partners or sabotage relationships to make other people leave her waiting for trust to be broken again and again. And so it shows us how important it is because otherwise if she's just here saying, well, how do I know whether or not to stay with my partner? And that's the focus then we're missing the mark in big ways back to what you were saying about becoming a parent, right? It's like, oh my gosh, you know, if you are a parent, you know how much children hold up a mirror, how much they shake the system for us. And I think the way that you were just describing it is as a protective mama, right? As a mama who's like, I want your experience to be cared for in such deep ways. And I want that to be prioritized. And then you think about the contrast of like, wait, how could someone do this differently, right? Like how could people not care about their child in this way? Or how could they allow for certain experiences to happen that do create these wounds? And yeah, there can be that perspective. I think a lot of times parents are like, I want to do either a better job than, you know, what my parents did. Or sometimes every once in a while, you might hear someone say, If only I can do as, you know, as well as my parents did. But there's always Mm. like that model and that template that we are either trying to improve on or something that we are chasing. But our kiddos, my goodness, they hold it up. And I think especially when we have, I was just talking about this with someone If we have a worthiness wound, for example, which is one of the wounds I talk about in the book, where, you know, our worth is connected, there's a condition for it, meaning I learned as a child that I needed to either please or be a peacekeeper or be perfect or, you know, get the straight A's, be a phenomenal athlete in order to get love, connection, attention, validation, presence, etc., right? Then we can become adults who also operate that way, right? Who do I need to be in order to have that connection from you? And if I don't operate that way, then love is lost, or I don't get that attention and validation. And I think there's something about when you become a parent too, is like, Mm -hmm. if I am not the perfect parent, am I worthy of receiving your love, your gaze, your joy with me, right? There's so many ways that it can play out and become deeply confronting, if we don't resolve the wounds from the past, because unconsciously then we can start to either reject or push back on receiving that love and that connection from a child too.
0: Hmm. Yeah. That one, when I was going through them really stood out the most because I think one of the most common, maybe underlying fears or negative beliefs is this like not feeling good enough, mm-hmm. not feeling enough. And it's, really perpetuated honestly by a society who has unbelievably ridiculous expectations of mothers where no matter how much we perform, no matter how perfect we are, the expectation is that we even sacrifice ourselves that much more. So there is a for sure a bigger system piece I would say that feeds Mm -hmm. this mentality, but that real sense of like, am I doing a good job? Mm -hmm. Am I good enough at this? Am I doing this right, like Mm -hmm. all of that felt like it really fit in that sort of wound bucket of that worthiness piece.
1: Certainly. And how exacerbated it is, right? If you actually have a worthiness wound to begin with, right? Everybody has Mm -hmm. their opinion. Everybody has their judgments. People are so quick to tell you, oh no, you should be doing it this way. Or they have such a strong reaction when you share something of the way in which you are parenting or mothering, for example, and you're like, wait a second, like what is this judgment or shaming or reaction? And what does that exacerbate what does it activate within me, Mm -hmm. right? And I think that's one of the indicators, right? That a wound is at play is if we have a strong reaction to something, right? It's like, ooh, I feel judged and or shamed in this moment. And of course, it's like a pretty normal human experience to have a response if you're feeling judged or criticized or shamed, but also is that pointing an arrow to something that exists and lives prior to this moment too.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thinking about my experience, which like really sounds like it mirrors yours. Like I went through this high conflict divorce. I was around the same age, maybe a little couple of years older. Mm-hmm. And it really sort of rocked my sense of security in a similar way that you kind of described where it was like, oh my gosh, I was plugging along in this theory, you know. <laughs> utopia sort of world as a child where everything is rainbows and all of a sudden everything changed. And in that, and in the hardships that followed that, I definitely picked up a function of like people pleasing to avoid, Mm -hmm. you know, either being a burden or adding more stress to that situation. Or maybe if I was just better, things wouldn't have played out the Mm -hmm. way that they were. Like a lot of children sort of, like their ego and they don't know better, but to internalize Mm -hmm. these things, right? And so I saw the function that it played out for me as people-pleasing and being very A-type perfectionist. Mm -hmm. But you talk about this where we have these unhealed wounds and they kind of come out in different forms or different ways. Mm -hmm. How do they present for different people?
1: Well, I think even in what you're saying as becoming a people-pleaser, in uh, one of the later sections of the book, I talk about, I get into navigating conflict and communication and boundaries. And when you're a people pleaser, you can start to think about how if the priority is pleasing another, mm-hmm. right, how that is going to impact the way you navigate through conflict, how you communicate, how you're actually feeling, or how you might set or lift a boundary. So again, if pleasing needs to be the priority, then you might be so nervous about disappointing others that you'll be super porous with your boundaries. Meaning you're like, I'm going to say yes to everything. Even if it's a no for me, I never want to hurt anybody's feelings. So I'm going to overextend myself overfunction in endless moments so that people are always happy with me. I don't know how to tolerate somebody being disappointed with me. I don't Mm -hmm. know how to tolerate somebody being upset with me. And so I'll keep pushing this role. Of being a people pleaser at the expense of myself. There's a line from one of my favorite poems, The Dreamer, that says, I want to know if you can disappoint another to stay true to yourself. I remember the first time I read that Mm. line. It's like, oh, that hits me so in the core, right? Of like, because when you are a people pleaser, when you are a peacekeeper, right? Like when that has created either the environment for you to get love or attention or validation. Or if it's been what has created safety for you, right? Of like, ooh, when I please, then there's less conflict. If I am the comic relief, then dad stops yelling at mom, Right. right? It's like there's so many scenarios where we learn that this is how my environment and my system is safe. Mm -hmm. It's where I can get love or access to the thing that I want. And so this idea of, well, just stop being a people pleaser or just set a boundary. That's why those things don't land. Or that's why it's so hard to implement and integrate those things if we're not tending to the origin pain, because it's too threatening for our internal system to just brute force our way through, to just overpower and be like, yeah. That sounds right. I'm going to go ahead and set that boundary, but ultimately inside, right, our system is saying, "Well, hang on though. Will you be safe if you set that boundary? Mm-hmm. Might somebody start screaming at you if you actually voice how you feel because that's how you grew up and whenever you expressed yourself, a parent or a step-parent got super angry and would be critical of you." Right? And so again, you cannot just force your way through even if you can Look at a scenario and, you know, rationalize, like, of course, it's good to openly communicate. That sounds right. Or like, yeah, setting boundaries is like a really healthy thing to do. I'm going to go ahead and do that. But when you can't, right, when you can feel your system having resistance to certain things, or there's a pattern that you can't change, or you're really good at telling a friend to do X, Y, and Z, but you can't do X, Y, and Z, then there's likely an origin wound that needs our attention.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And people pleasing being sort of one of the ways that we might respond. Are there some others you had laid out in the book, like other reactions that people might have to these wounds that are unhealed kind of growing up or different ways that they might cope with those if they're unhealed?
1: Sure. Yeah. So another one of the origin wounds that I talk about is a safety origin wound. I'm really, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a very tender wound, of course, because when we're talking about the absence of safety, we're often talking about abuse and negligence and recklessness. Um, But, you know, when you don't feel as a child like the adults in your life have care, concern, respect, and honor for your overall well-being right? There's a takeaway from that. I have to protect myself, right? And Mm -hmm. so you think about how a safety wound might show up later on in life where, you know, obviously when we talk about boundaries, very common to hear therapists use the (laughs) language of, you know, uh, porous boundaries and rigid boundaries. So oftentimes with a safety wound, it can show up where the wall is really high, right? That I need to protect myself, More than I need to connect with others Mm. because connection with others is threatening, right? Connection with others means that someone takes advantage of me or somebody abuses me. And so we put that concrete wall up in order to protect ourselves. But guess what? What happens on the other side of that is that we can't have intimacy. We can't have connection. We can't really have successful partnership. Or even friendship when the wall is so high. And so, when we, again, you can't just tell somebody with a safety wound to lower the wall and just connect with people, right? Like Mm. that is too threatening. But when we can start to understand that that wall is serving a purpose, right? That wall is doing everything it can to protect you from harm. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, system. So grateful for how. You know, brilliant you are. And yet, at this point in our lives, right, if we maintain that, if that's the only way to stay protected, then it's going to risk something, which is usually intimacy and closeness and connection with others. Now, you can stay behind that wall forever and ever, right? Of course, you could choose that. But Mm -hmm. if you want, relationships, if you want connection with others, then there's an element to this work that requires risk-taking. When I say risk-taking, I talk about this in the book, it's not a reckless risk-taking. I call it the eyes wide open risk-taking, right? This is a, okay, I have to start to lower this wall a little bit by little bit. And really, like eyes wide open, scanning my environment, deciding if it's okay to share a little bit more, allow somebody to get close because we're having to essentially rewrite a story. But, you know, I walk the reader through a four step origin healing process in the book that asks us to identify what the wounds are that we've experienced to then become a witness to that wound. And, you know, the witnessing is such an important part to this, right? Whether we're witnessing our own selves, which is, you know, a very powerful piece or having a trusted individual do some of that witnessing with us, alongside of us. Mm -hmm. One of the important reminders is that the person who put or contributed to the wound in the first place does not need to be a participant in releasing or relieving the wound later on. Mm -hmm. If they can, beautiful, right? If somebody is willing to take ownership, acknowledge, take accountability, and that feels safe, Incredible, right? Like sometimes we're like, I just want my parent to acknowledge that this was hard for me, you know, and if they can, amazing. But we don't need the person that contributed to it to be part of the healing process. We just need to have a witness in ourselves and ideally a witness from a loving, you know, individual in our lives too. The third step is a grieving process. They always say when in doubt grieve more, when stuck grieve mm. more. Like whenever mm-hmm. there's, you know, a bit of friction, it's really asking for more grief from us, which then leads to the pivot, right? Which is yeah, once we start to do this work, then we can see where there's an opportunity to try something on and do it a little bit differently. So, as I was talking about with the safety wound, you know, it's like, ah, the pivot is in letting somebody in a little bit more than you would have before, right? Mm-hmm. The pivot might be expressing yourself when you normally don't or swallow your words. The pivot might be saying that you're upset or bothered by something instead of pretending like things are okay, right? Which is the case for me, right? That was a big breakthrough for me for the, you know, needless little girl turned needless woman who was totally unaffected by everything, right? One of my biggest breakthroughs was being able to literally say the words, I'm not okay with this. I am bothered by this. This feels disrespectful to me. And I think, you know, when you look at it from the outside looking in, it's like, well, that seems pretty simple and easy. But when you have had decades under your belt of doing something a particular way and, not communicating that to say that out loud is a profound moment of healing. It is life changing, truly. That was a moment that changed my life. It's not hyperbolic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think it's the reminder that our growth and our healing and our expansion can sometimes look like these tiny, tiny, tiny little movements, but are huge for us. And we might do it one way, one day, and then we might kind of go backwards a little bit. And that's part of the dance here is like growth is not linear. I think you were you used that word before, right? Growth, mm-hmm. we know growth is not linear, but if we keep coming back into contact with like, okay, what's at stake here? You know, like what's familiar about this moment? What about my past is showing up in this moment? That can begin to help move the needle on this.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. As you're talking, I'm remembering my early sort of postpartum days. And I've talked about this experience a lot where after my third child, I was like thrown into the deep end of parenthood, three boys back to back in three and a half years. (laughs) And it was just like, you know, identity crisis on top Uh of all the things actually. And in there, in between the children, I suddenly lost my dad, pretty Mm -hmm. traumatic, very tumultuous relationship. So a lot of Mm, grief, but anger, confusion, Mm -hmm. also reconciling, like, as a parent, how does one do this to their child? Like, so all the things happening, right? And then found myself struggling with postpartum depression and anxiety as a result of that. Mm -hmm. And as we're talking about it from the vantage point or perspective of, like, people-pleasing... Like that had been the MO that keeps us safe. As you said, we honor that. We appreciate how it was adaptive coping at the age that we were to Mm -hmm. see us through a tough situation. And then we enter into, well, my relationship. That's a whole conversation for another day. (laughs) I was like, I don't need to get married. Who are you? I'm fine by myself. Like, you know, (laughs) sort of Mm -hmm. really anxiously attached, but like refusing to like even let people in Mm -hmm. kind of ambivalence. To then being in parenthood, being like, okay, I've gotten to this place where I can kind of like dismiss or like not take so sensitively what others have to say. But now I'm in this role where I want to do it right for those who I like deeply love and care about. Mm -hmm. And that was different. Mealtime with kids can be stressful. But with Factors Delicious ready-to-eat meals, it can be a lot easier. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. No worrying about ingredients and nutrition, no prep, no mess, and no cooking while wrangling toddlers. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular options like Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover more than 60 add-ons every week, like breakfast, on-the-go lunch, snacks and beverages to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started today and fuel up for your springtime goals. Factor can even be tailored to your schedule. Customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need. Pause or reschedule deliveries to suit your lifestyle. Take the stress out of meals with Factor. Head to factormeals.com slash momwell50 and use code momwell50 to get 50% off your first box. Want to get smarter about your health but feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction? We hear a lot about gut health, microbiomes, and other nutrition topics, but taking the time to research these is exhausting and there's a lot of misinformation out there. The Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast makes it so much easier to get the information you need. With the help of world-leading scientists, the podcast gives you research-based information so you can make informed choices for yourself without pressure and guilt. People are loving Zoe Science and Nutrition. Go to ZocDoc.com slash MomWell and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated therapist, psychiatrist, or psychologist today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot slash MomWell. ZocDoc.com slash MomWell. I think when we're talking people-pleasing or like perfectionist, in motherhood and wanting to do things right and wanting to do them a particular way, it's not often probably not external. It's probably very much about their child and their child's views. And I think that this is an interesting distinction for us to carve out because there is for sure a societal piece. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: But then people might be like, but I don't really care about the opinions of others or I'm whatever. But like, Wanting to show up for the people Mm -hmm. who are most important to you in your life and do that effectively is like, I don't know, plays on the biggest people-pleasing wound, I think.
1: Yeah, right. I mean, like, how do I please you, my sweet angel, who is the extension of me? Obviously, for mothers specifically, right? It's like, you you were literally tied to me, right? If you had the chance to birth a child and... Yeah, right. It's like you do see yourself in this being, whether blood or not, right? It's like in these really tender moments as a parent, you can see yourself in them, right? Because you're like, I was once that age. I was once this tiny little human and somebody was maybe holding me kind of the way that I'm holding you, right? And it's like, I think there's this overwhelming emotional experience of, you know, here's your own child, but then you're also thinking about yourself as that child. And then, yeah, sure. What does the world think of me as a mother? But like you, how do you feel about me? Do you feel safe with me? Do you feel prioritized by me? Do you know that you can just be as you are and that's enough? You don't need to do anything else. Right. And I think it's like when you're an adult who has done some of this healing work and you're like, I, I care about the experience that my child has. Whoa. Is that like just cracks you wide open. And I love what you're saying here, Erica, like just the perspective of this tiny human looking back up at you and what do they think of me? I right? I think mm-hmm. you know most parents' I'm, I'm a mother also you know, most parents are like, okay, at what point, you know, how old will you be before you're like, I hate you. <laughs> you <know? It's> like, <laughs> what point will you, you know, at what point will it be like, I can't stand you and right? all of these things. And you're like, but what can I do to make sure that overall, right? Like sure. Those teenage years. Yeah. Okay. Probably you're going to curse me at some point or whatever. Right. But like at the end of the day, mm-hmm. right. Can we have and create the experience where you're like, I love my mom. I appreciate her. I felt important to her and like I mattered to her and whatever it is, right? Yeah. That's why I say to parents, because, you know, I'm sure you get this question all the time, right? As parents are like, what can I do to make sure that I don't screw up my children? And That's it. Like that's one of the biggest fears.
0: Yeah. I I call it like this want to do no harm. Like I think that it's one thing to... Obviously, we don't ever want to traumatize our child. Like, we try our best. We're human, though. We're imperfect. We react, you know, in ways that, or things, life happens and we can't control it. But there is this real, like, I want to do no harm at a cost of my Mm well-being. Like, I will strive so hard to not inflict harm or pain or Mm -hmm. repeat Mm -hmm. patterns or history to the point that I will do to the detriment of my own Mm -hmm. mental health or well-being, even. And I think that the parallel that I'm drawing here and where I'm seeing this in my own story a little bit is because mine was I'm going to be perfect. I'm going to do it all right. I'm going to do it just as all the whatever should say, even though everything in parenting is conflicting and there is no right way and (laughs) all of that, right? (laughs) But I think that sort of led to this crux of this situation for me where it kind of all boiled over was like, I had to reconcile and accept that in order to show up and like I don't know, be the safety and be the security and be the things that my child needed, that it didn't mean perfection. Like those mm-hmm. two things were not one in the same. Mm-hmm. Cause that people pleasing piece is like you wanna be perfect. Like you don't want to make any mistakes. You mm-hmm. want to avoid upset, you want to avoid anything that you possibly can, right? Yeah. So yeah, this whole concept of do no harm and don't repeat things really plays out for a lot of people I speak
1: with. Oh, so many. And I think When there is a painful experience, whether it's a traumatic experience, wounding, just painful, a lot of times we're like, I want to take this path of opposition. I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure it's not this way. Right, And, you know, from the outside looking in, that might look better, right? But that swinging pendulum is still a lack of integration, right? If it's being driven by fear, if it's being driven by the like, I could never let that happen. You know, it's like, that is still not placed. And that piece is the part that like, so, you know, for example, if you, clearly you and I both grew up in highly conflictual family systems. And so, you know, it's very easy to take a path of repetition, meaning maybe we have high conflict ourselves in our relationships prior to doing some work or you swing the pendulum 180 and you say, no high conflict. I'm choosing partners who never get into conflict. I'm, I'm not getting into conflict. This is a conflict-free zone. I'm conflict avoidant. And what happens there is when we swing that pendulum all the way to the other side, we actually then mute ourselves, right? There's no space to ever Mm. share when I'm hurt, when I'm upset, when I'm bothered by something. And I think sometimes that can happen, you know, in parenthood as well, because we're so well-meaning. I never want you to go through this experience that I had to go through or someone I knew had to go through. But because it's being driven by the fear right? Yeah. Because it's being driven by the wounding, right? And I c- cannot do that, right? That still is uncentered, ungrounded. Yeah. And that's why, you know, this book is so much about going back to answering that question of parents, like, what can I do to make sure I don't screw up my ch- my children? We've already said it. There is no perfect scenario. There's no perfect environment. You're going to let them down. You're going to say the wrong thing. There's going to be some of that. I love the concept of do no real harm, right? It's like, yeah, like, let's try to protect you from the big stuff. But we also yeah. know that it's not going to be a perfect environment. The best thing that we can do for our children is to commit to continuing to resolve our unresolved pain period, Mm -hmm. right? To continue to look at it. You don't need to be a finished product. We know there are none, right? So you don't need to be like, I've arrived. Now I can have a child, right? It's like, no, just be in a constant practice of, take breaks and pauses when you need to. I know sometimes we get very attached to the healing process, but, Mm -hmm. you know, be in this continued commitment to resolving what's unresolved. Because when you do that, you then no longer need to pass the pain,
0: right? Yeah. It reminds me of a conversation I I had for the podcast where we were discussing whether or not to choose to have another baby when you've had a traumatic Mm. delivery or experience and how sometimes we want to do over and sometimes we want to have another baby to sort of like Mm -hmm. make good on an experience that we were sort of gypped from. And the same sort of anchoring concept here that you're talking about was present there where Mm -hmm. our trauma and our wounds are in the driver's seat of our decision-making here, right? And so being able to process through and get through that to see it from a different perspective, like now having gone through this sort of reconciling with myself and sort of Mm -hmm. really shattering what I deemed to be perfect or I thought to be perfect and the pressure of that and being able to say like, well, now that that has been pierced and torn and shattered apart, I can rebuild this for myself now mm-hmm. and really understand. And this side of things, having processed it through and sort of dealt with that pain a bit differently and openly, mm-hmm. well, now what do I really want according to my values as a parent? You know, we're talking values-driven versus, like, trauma or wound-driven.
1: Yeah. I mean, so well said. Exactly that, right? It's like to be able to process something enough to get to a place where when you make a decision, it is driven by the values. There's sort of this, like, it's not charged with the pain as the decider, right? So, so beautifully said of, like, yeah, there is a process that needs to take place where, probably lots of witnessing of the pain lots of grieving mm-hmm. like i said before to then get to a place where you can say okay what do i really want you know what am i prioritizing now and having that be generated from that non-wound charged place so values mm-hmm. aligned agency of your own life right all of those aspects
0: mhm yeah one other way that i see this come up Is what I've called the mother wound. Like, we've done some podcast episodes on this in the past on the show, where I don't know, maybe there was a contentious relationship with your mother Mm -hmm. before having a child. Maybe there wasn't. But now that you're in your mothering role or your parenting role, looking at your relationship with your mother and being like angry or feeling like, you know, needs were unmet Mm -hmm. and in these early stages of trying to identify who you are as a mother and then also reconciling your relationship with your mother, it's a really complicated (laughs) time because if there is a lot of trauma there and if, you know, it's unresolved and we want to carve out who we are as a mother based upon this model we've been given, like that makes sense, first of all, like The roadmap we have for motherhood comes from what we have observed, for better or for worse. And reconciling that when we step into the role Mm. is a part of it. But I feel like this is like prime time to live out of that pain if we haven't dealt with it.
1: Yes, and can be one of the hardest things to do when the source is right there with you. You know what I mean? Like, yes, exactly. Right. It's like, cause it's right front and center. And especially if that person is stepping into, you know, grandma role, for example. Exactly. So maybe your mom is showing up as a grandmother in a way that you could only have wished that she showed up for you. Right. Yes. Or maybe she's showing up in a way as a grandmother that you're like, oh my God gosh like this is terrible was is this how you were with me when i was a baby right so there's endless examples of how that can create some activation within us and to my point before you know we can set boundaries especially as adults you know we don't have to see Parents or step parents, or you know, but when you start to invite them back into the system and they want to be around their grandchildren, for example, right? Then you're like face to face with it over and over again, sometimes more than you might like to be, Mm -hmm. right? And so it's really hard with space. Obviously, we can, you know, manage things a little bit differently, right? If we're not actively in conversation or there isn't an opportunity for conflict to come up or a boundary to be crossed, but when they're hanging around, right? Because we want them to, yeah. or we want them to have a relationship with their grandchildren. You know, then it's like, oh, you're right in my face. <laughs> I feel all the things. Yeah. It's all playing out right in front of me, whatever it might be. And so, yeah, like that can be some of the hardest stuff to navigate when it hasn't been fully placed. There's a Ram Dass quote that I always get the biggest chuckle out of. And He says, if you think you're enlightened, go spend a week with your family is the best <laughs> line, right? It's like, it's that reminder, it's right? Because you can be working on all the things. You're like in therapy, you're, oh yeah, I can set that boundary. And yep, I'm not going to get into that conflict. And you're like ready for it. And then family comes around and all of a sudden you are hooked right back into that dance with that person over and over and over again, even though you intend not to. Mm-hmm. And so there's a real need for gentleness for the self in this space, but also creating probably when they're not there, but creating you know, a space to process what's coming up, to see what wounds are coming back into focus for you, what is presenting, what you're coming into contact with so that you can continue to spend time processing through these origin wounds, right? Because that's all that it does mm-hmm. is that when there's activation, it reminds you, Oop, there's more for you to feel, Oop, there's yeah. more for you to grieve. Uh oh, there's more for you to witness, yeah. and so sometimes it can feel like endless work, yeah. right? Where you're just like, when does it stop? You know? <laughs> but you know, you take those pauses, like I said before. But when you have that activation, it's like a flag in the sand. That's like, yep, there's something that you need to pay attention to here. Hopefully, you have beautiful community, good support, in you know, a partner, friends, etc., to process through whatever it is that's coming up but it is not easy Mm -hmm. in these scenarios.
0: Well, and you said it so bang on. That's exactly what it is. It's watching your mother Mm -hmm. or father, like your parents parent your child in front of you for better or for worse, whatever the situation. It just strikes a chord in us, right? Like just, you see the whole interaction through a different perspective. And I think it's also can be extra complicated if, you're like dependent upon their support. Mm-hmm. So like you can't necessarily set maybe some of the physical and time boundaries you want to because you're so dependent on their physical support for childcare right. or whatever the case may be. So mm-hmm. definitely complicated situations to, to navigate. Oh, but I yeah. think that just calling it out there. So like, Hey, listeners, you are not alone in this experience Mm -hmm. and it is more common than you could imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Those
1: conditions. I mean, it's such a great point that you bring up because it's like, Oh, but if you want my help, I'm going to do it the way that I want to do it. You know? And sometimes we're so stuck, right? It's like, Yeah. yeah, if they live close, if they are the, you know, the weekly support or if you need them, so that you can go on a date night right it's like but it's like these moments where you just feel back in that scenario of in order to get the thing i need to accept that my boundaries won't be respected oh yeah right like in order to get your help like i was saying before with the worthiness right in order to get validation connection Mm -hmm. love presence i need to be perfect right and now here i am in order to get your help i need to be boundaryless cool
0: <laughs> right. right. Spineless yes. or what like or whatever. Just let you do you, you know, with my children. Right. 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 Yeah. So that's
1: there, right? Like it's the thing. It activates something. And obviously again, such a good point, right? Sometimes this is the scenario. Right? It's like they are our help. This is what we can rely on, but at what cost? And, you know, sometimes we do trade that, but then it's am I taking the time to process what's coming up here and, you know, navigate that differently.
0: Yeah. Like, am I consciously weighing whether this is a deal breaker or not and consciously, you know, coming to this conclusion that, okay, this is a cost that is worth it for a date night for a couple of hours, Mm -hmm. you know, and how can we still put some boundaries on that within our control, you know, consciously versus just feeling like you've got to give way to the situation. Yep. Oh, gosh, I could talk to you all day (laughs) long, and we're getting close to the end of our time. Uh I'm curious for those who are listening, and they're like, ooh, I don't think I've done too much of this work before right? Obviously we'll say your book is a really great place to start, Mm -hmm. but where would you recommend they begin in this, Yeah. in this sort of discovering of themselves? Yeah.
1: This work is such beautiful work and it's totally fine if you've never even thought about the way that your family has really affected you or you've like found a way to avoid it. It makes sense. It's hard to look back. Sometimes we're afraid of opening Pandora's box. What am I going to find? We've gotten our relationships with our family to a pretty good place. And we're like, I don't want to mess with that. Right? Or we've idealized our past or, you know, there's so many things. Or we just have the narrative. They did the best that they could and I want to respect that. Okay. But, you know, our pain is our pain and it doesn't just go away. Just because there's context to a story doesn't mean that the pain doesn't exist. One of my favorite questions is, what did you need as a child or want or crave for as a child that you didn't get? That's a beautiful question to sit with, reflect on, point you in the direction of some wounds. Another one is like, what are the things that make you most reactive today? Right? Like just mm-hmm. notice it. like what sets me off, right? Mm-hmm. That reactivity again, arrow straight back into your wounds. I have a free, what's your origin wound quiz. So we could put it in the show notes. Of course. We can send it over to you. Cause that's a great place to start too, just to be like, okay, like where might I be headed with this? But Yeah, it's like, it's a lift, you know, and I think it's just being gentle and compassionate with the self, obviously with others too, to go at a pace that feels okay for you. But I think there's so much value in this work because it opens so many things up, it connects so many dots, and then there is a path forward. And it's not just about connecting the dots for yourself. It's about connecting dots for your partner too. It's like, oh, right. My partner has origin stories. My partner Mm -hmm. has origin wounds. How much do I know about their family life and what causes reactivity there too? You know, I wrote the book for us to read it as the adult child, but I also wrote the book for you to read it as a parent yourself, as a partner, as a friend, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, ah, right. I'm going to think about other people while reading this book too, in the mm-hmm. same way that you were talking about, like, you know, your child's perspective of you, right? It's like right. yeah, like what's your child gonna say on their therapist's couch in 20 years from now about you? Mm-hmm. What do you want that story to be? You know? Yeah. It's like what wounds will they share? Hey, right? and so yeah, a great place are some of those questions. There's a bunch of questions in the book itself too, to help guide people to just like start thinking about some of the relationships, some of the things that they saw growing up and how that set the framework and foundation for the way that we think and believe and behave. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I'm excited for everybody to get it, you know, as a source, because I know that not everybody's going to spend years or decades in therapy, you know, it's like, nope, you can do this from the comfort of your own home and it's, you know, all of, gosh, I've spent over 20,000 hours with individuals, couples and families in therapy at this point. And so it's like from all of that, like this is what I have seen over and over and over again. So yeah, that quiz, this book, some of those prompts to get people going and thinking about it.
0: Yeah. And we'll link the quiz and where they can buy the book, everything in the show notes. But that question of What did you need as a child that you didn't get? I feel like that is such a great place for us as mothers, as parents to start because in motherhood, we're often living out of that lack if we haven't dealt with it, right? It's like, that's a really big one, a really great sort of reflective place to start. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. So we're going to link to your book. Where can they find you online? You've got a big community online. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: So on Instagram, you can find me at mindful MFT as in marriage, family therapy um, book, anywhere books are sold, which is so wild to say and so exciting. And then my website is com. But yeah, we'll have all those links for everyone. So, but thank you so much for yeah. having me. Such a wonderful chat with you.
0: Thank you, you as well. And congratulations. It's such an exciting time. Thanks for being here. Wasn't that such a great episode? Vienna is so knowledgeable and understands these dynamics so clearly. And one of the things I firmly believe and one of the values that MomWell is built on is that information and this mental health literacy is a form of care. Sometimes all we need is a podcast episode giving language to our experience at the right time to feel relief and to feel seen and to feel understood. That's how I felt in this conversation with Vienna today. It really brought a lot of these pieces and clicked them into place for me. If you're listening to this and you're like, "Ooh, that hits deep, like I really, really feel that. And I honestly don't know where to start. I encourage you to book a free 15 minute consultation with one of our mom therapists to see how they can help you adjust to this time while also healing and dealing with this relationship dynamic. A lot of unexpected relationship work surfaces during this time. And so when we talk about having relational therapy support, it's not necessarily couples counseling as much as it is unpacking these complicated relationships and things that come to the forefront during this time. To learn more and book that free 15-minute consult, head to momwell.com. That's momwell.com. I'll see you right back here, same time, same place next week, where I'm being joined by Dr. Pooja Lakshman to talk all things self-care. How has the wellness industry taken over self-care? And how can we truly engage in self-care without it feeling like another thing on the to-do list? You don't want to miss it. I'll see you right back here next week. I can't even begin to tell you how happy and honored I am that you choose to spend your time here with me each week. If you're looking for resources or links from today's show, or you need a refresh on anything we've talked about, visit our show notes. You can find the link in the episode description, or you can head directly to momwell.com/slash learning center. To join the momwell email list and be the first one to know about new episode drops, insider info, or freebies, head to momwell.com/slash newsletter. Join me next week. Until then, remember that you have to be well to momwell.